the, the development is in in full swing and people can see it for themselves that the money that they put, they're putting into this draw, it's all going into the development uh, in, in Craig's and for our, our future of, our, of our, our youth, both boys and girls. That's it. And I suppose for, for anyone that wants to follow how, how uh, the, the club are doing, um, they, they have a very good Facebook page and uh, other social media pages as well. And there's also articles every week in the local paper, there's common people as well. So just to mention that, so if you want to see how the things are going at the club, and uh, it mentions there's some very good articles about the youth level and all that, and some very uh, there's been very good coverage in, in the Roscommon people and that for uh, for the first team as well. So that's on Craig's Rugby Club. And I suppose just to mention, as as we will every week, as, I suppose how um, Buccaneers and uh, Carrick and Shannon Rugby Club are going. They're they're going very well at the moment, as you just mentioned. There, the the first, Craig's first team were unfortunate against um, against Buccaneers in in the cup match. But then um, you know the under twenties in Buccaneers is doing well, and of course, uh, like like we said. Um, Carrick and Shannon are doing. Uh, Carrick and Shannon Rugby Club are doing well as well. So, can you give us an update on that and your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, again, um, the Buccaneers have, uh, are now into uh, the, the semi-final of the Connacht Junior Cup. Uh, their first team is going very well in the AIL, and the under twenties uh, had had won the cup in 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 Leinster. So you know, all 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 is good within within the club. Carrick and Shannon, um, they they continue to develop. Uh, they're getting a run in in the cup competition, and let's hope that Carrick and that there will 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 continue to to go from strength to strength. It's great. They're mainly. For, uh, uh, from GA hinterland, and a lot of their players would have played GA, but um, there's a great youth structure there, and people, volunteers, putting a huge amount of work in into the the club. I I watched an underage team, and that there from from Carrick not so long ago, and you know there's there's great potential uh, in in the team, and you know that's good to see, and that can that can only uh, look forward that they're from strength to strength, and Carrick and Shan is in the the development of a new pitch and, and all themselves, so to have their for the first time to have their own grounds, which will be which will be great for them. That's it, and that that's great to see. And uh, moving on to uh, Connacht Rugby as well, uh, their first team and uh, and also the underage team, both boys and girls. And uh, just to give it, give us uh, an update on how the first team and the the underage teams are doing. Yeah, like uh, Connacht, Connacht's uh, first uh, team, the professional team, had a, had a break there for the, the these two weekends with the internationals being on. But uh, they're, they're going to be into a right dog fight against their neighbours, uh, Leinster, in the next three weekends coming up. There, they, they they play Leinster uh, next next weekend, and um, this that will be um, a big game in the in in the. Um, uh, Pro 16, and uh, then the the following the Champions Cup, the the following two weeks at home, they played them at home the first weekend, and then they're away to the Aviva Stadium. So it'll be important to, if we could, uh, on the Connacht front, uh, get two two wins against Leinster at home. Now it's a big ask, and you know some of the international players will be will be rested um, after their after their. Um, 
other games there for the international team. So yeah, that 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 will happen. So the Leinster, we could be getting Leinster uh, at a good time, particularly uh, for the in the in the first games, um, and we we look forward to that. There'll be extra seeking and that they're put in for the big game against Leicester Leinster in in um, in the sports ground. So. Uh, tickets are out there; they're still available, and you know it, it will be a great occasion to 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 be there. And you know, needless to say, it's always the big one. Everybody likes to chalk down the the the, the leaders, uh, Leinster. They're you know they're a very strong physical team, so Connor will be up against it. So with the uh, Bundyaki and them coming back into the team, um, t- uh, um, Jack Carty and. Uh, um, you know a number of other um, you know players that have been coming back from injury as well. These two weeks off will will help to maybe uh, better the squad coming into the the, the three games uh, against Leinster. That's it, and of course, uh, finally, but finally, um, I suppose Ireland doing very well. They they had a good a good win at the weekend against uh, against England. A bonus point win, great performance by Ireland, but. Uh, I suppose um, this weekend is unusual. Like the look, Scotland won't be easy either. They're 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 a good side. They've improved. They've been very good for the last couple of years. But you know, looking at looking at how Ireland have been doing in the other games, you know, they should have enough to to overtake uh, to to win this one. But you can never underestimate Scotland as well. But I suppose really to. Um, if you're looking at Six Nations or the Triple Crown, right, they could win the Triple Crown. But as regards the Six Nations, they really need the Ireland need to do their bit against Scotland and beat Scotland, maybe even by a bonus a bonus point, you know, a bonus point win, preferably. But also, we we need we need England to do us a favour by beating France. Is that likely to happen though? Are England this England team good enough to beat this France team? You know, they're they're an awesome team. This uh, this French team, aren't they? They are, yeah, and uh, you know I don't disagree with anything you've said there, Aidan. And um, the you know England is going to be up against it uh, against France now. They did uh, give Ireland a lot of trouble in in the scrum. They did go down to fourteen men after sending off, and um, really like um, Ireland played against uh, fourteen men for most of the game. Um, there is a few changes now in the in the Irish team. Uh, we will we will have to get the the bonus point against um, against Scotland. Uh, first of all, we'll have to win it uh, to get the four points. But then hopefully that we can we can get the cream on the cake uh, by getting them the the bonus point. And then it will be all uh, eyes on 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 the box then to watch England and France um, later on that evening. Uh, that this will be the game of the championship. You know, it's just down to the wire. Probably um, England and France will measure up uh, well enough in in the pack. They they have two very strong teams in 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 the pack. But I would say um, that the French backs are very slick, they're very good. They they look very strong, and I think they have the they think they have the better. Um, Team overall than England, and I can't, I can't see France really losing the game in 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 Paris. You know, when they get the the crowd behind them, there they're very good at home. They're a different team when they're away. Uh, like Wales, Wales should have taken them in in Cardiff, and you know they're just a hand in there. Um, you know, save save them again, uh, save them against Wales, but. They will be up for it. They'll be up for it big time, and I think that they will will pull it off. But I think England will give them. They'll have to fight to the bitter end to beat England at the same time. 
That's it. Well, listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, local rugby with us this week and we look forward to looking back on what we hope will be a victorious weekend for, for Ireland and hopefully hopefully Wales or uh, England can beat France anyway and uh, I suppose it's looking like uh, like Italy for the wooden spoon yet again. So listen, thanks very much for your time and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Absolutely. It'll be all interesting to see all the Irish folk uh, shouting for England and that there. And uh, again, uh, hopefully when we come back uh, next week that uh, we we will have the, the championship won. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was uh, Adrian Liddy from uh, Craig's Rugby Club. Thanks. Former One View, myself, Ed Marafkri, and of course, as usual, our former One expert, Michael O'Grady. Hello, Michael. How are you? Are you well? I'm absolutely brilliant, Ed. And, uh, uh, we, we, we've had a nice Patrick's Day down this way now, and a nice bit of parades and stuff like that. And uh, it's all getting geared now for the this weekend's Formula One, as they say. That's it. And uh, plenty of... Plenty of uh, I suppose he, I suppose a greatly anticipated uh, start to the season with this uh, this rivalry between Verstappen and um, and Lewis Hamilton, which was kind of bubbling from from last year. But let's hope that you know that can be all put aside, and uh, it's a, a a new beginning now in Formula One, a new season. New new cars tested and all that, but uh, so plenty of news, uh, plenty of news ahead of ahead of the Bahrain Grand Prix, and a driver a driver um, was tested tested positive and and isn't available to take part. That's uh, that's interesting, isn't it? So early in the season, it is indeed. Now there was uh, it, it was a bit unfortunate. Uh, poor old Sebastian Vettel. We all uh, we love to see Sebastian Vettel racing. He's a great driver, but yeah. Uh, you know, he's going to miss out the season opener now. You know, he's going to be replaced by the team's reserve driver, Nico Hulkenberg, who, of course, we all know from Formula One fame, too. He used to be um, used to be a driver. He'll be in the car on Friday at practice. It's going to be his first Grand Prix since 2020 Eiffel Grand Prix when he stood in for Lance Stroll at Racing Point. Um, right. after, after, funny enough, Lance Stroll tested positive for COVID-19. So a couple of the drivers are, get, are, are getting back in there because of that. And the news comes just after Danny Ricciardo returned a positive test last week to miss the official pre-test section. But he has since tested negative uh, and now will return um, for racing on Thursday in time to contest the race for the weekend alongside the McLaren teammate Lando Norris. So, um, yeah, the old testing of of COVID has hasn't massively improved. It still makes the odd uh, the the odd mistake, but you're don't we all? That's it. But I suppose really, um, you know, when you look at Sebastian Vettel now, he's out for this one, obviously, which is unfortunate. You know, for for the rest of the season, he'll be kind of at a points disadvantage. Like even if he gets to the in the top three in a few of them, like because he missed this one, and look, COVID can happen to anyone. But it means that he'd be at a disadvantage points-wise then for the rest of the season, even though it's only one he has missed out on. But oh, depending on how bad it is, it could be it could be another week. But uh, do you know it, it, that's unfortunate from him from his point of view on that side of things. Obviously, we hope he gets he, he'll be okay and things like that. But it does leave him at a disadvantage. Well, uh, last time last year, if you remember, Hamilton missed a race because of. Uh, of uh, COVID-19, but he only missed one race. I mean, these yeah. guys are super fit, um, super healthy, um, and they've got some of the best uh, medical staff running around with the team everywhere they go. So, 
We wish uh, Sebastian a, a, a quick recovery, and I'd say he will be. I'd see it, say you'll see him in the following race. He is very upbeat about this year. Um, I mean, I mean, let's face it. I, I suppose last year was Aston Martin's first year. He feels they've made a bit of uh, possible movements now this year, and he's um, he's expecting a, a bit more out of the car. And, and and just speaking about people expecting more on the car, um, Charles Leclerc has reiterated that his goal for 2022 is to fight for race victories with Ferrari. And that's an interesting statement. Um, adding that he does have a car nearly good enough to fight for the championship and he's readier than ever. It, it does come off a, a solid pre-season testing programme, I suppose. It's really good to see Ferrari coming back again, you know, um, this year. And the aim is to try and uh, disturb and perhaps win the Constructors' Championship. And um, Leclerc said, you know, there's still a tiny bit behind, you know, uh, but he still reckons if the car keeps moving forwards uh, the way it is, he could well be up there for first and second place in the the World Championship. It'd be great. I've always had a soft spot for Charles Leclerc, I have to admit. I, I know we've all focused on Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton and Max... Max is an amazing, uh, amazing sportsman, I have to admit. There just seems to be no one like him. But I've always liked Charles Leclerc, and um, I hope he does quite well. And a a, a name returning this weekend as well, uh, Kevin Magnussen. That's a name we haven't heard from uh, a little while. Um, He hasn't been in a Formula One car since Abu Dhabi in in December 2020. Um, But as we know... There was a, a bit of an issue with, um, you know, Russia and advertising and money and sponsorship. And Nikita Mazepin is gone. So now Kevin Magnussen is going to partner Mick Schumacher. And what was really good was he was actually very surprised when it was announced. Um, he didn't think he didn't think he, could, he couldn't see himself getting back again. It wasn't on his radar, I, I, I suppose, you know, yeah. but. He has described he has described it as as, as a, a comeback to his dream, which is a great thing to to hear from these guys. You know, they they really do, they really do love driving. I suppose you know, sure that's that that's the main thing, really. I mean, it's Formula One is supposedly the pinnacle of the pinnacle of the pinnacle. So you know, everyone's going to want to be there now. Testing was the interesting one. Um, I have to admit, I stayed up a few times in recording and, and, and watching testing into the wee small hours because, of course, they're testing in Bahrain ahead of the race, a week ahead of the race. I mean, oh, manna from heaven. You, yeah. really, you really couldn't get better if you tried. Well, just a bit of a roundabout on that one. Day one, there was three days of testing, of course. On day one, Pierre Gasly was fastest in an Alpha Tori. Unbelievable, I have to admit. And it's an official pre-test, you know. And he was ahead of the two Ferraris of Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc by the end of the day. It was just absolutely incredible. Now, Leclerc was top of the morning sheets um, at that day. But Gas- Gasly capitalised on, uh, uh, how will I put it? He stuck in that fastest lap at the last minute uh, under lights at a 133.9. Now, just so everybody knows how fast that is, that's um, Carlos Sainz in second was nearly half a second slower. So that was quite significant, you have to say. Um, absolutely incredible. You know, it was a, a, a great little spot by him. Whereas like a champion, the main championship contenders, I suppose, um, Sebastian Vettel finished eighth. 
although looking at it, Lewis Hamilton finished 11th, I would have said the two of those were up to other things. They yeah. weren't trying to blast the car around in anger. On day two, well, Ferrari's Carlos Sainz was the fastest of day two pre-season testing. Believe it or believe it not. A, a day punctuated by a number of red flags, I suppose. Um, but at lunchtime, Sainz took over from teammate Charles Leclerc and set a benchmark of 133.5, which is, of course, four-tenths of a second faster than the day before, um, which was pretty impressive. And again, putting that one into perspective, Max Verstappen was second fastest, and he was just about half a second slower. So that was an amazing time um, by the Ferrari drivers. They seemed to be seem to be keeping it up as uh, as to say you know keeping forwards the whole time you know it was great well 40 minutes left actually um i, I was enjoying it because uh max verstappen and carlos went wheel to wheel for a bit uh, the pair putting in late braking display and having a bit of fun on the track it was great to see it it really was i have to admit um great to see the guys you know ready re- ready and raring to go as to say um, but that, that, that's a, that's something that they they can do like in testing when they're testing the cars. But you know when, when it comes to the nitty gritty now on Saturday for the qualify for the qualifying, there's going to that 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 uh, that bit of crack and that that goes out the door because it's all about getting the best times for for qualifying for the for the race on Sunday. Absolutely, it is, and that, that's what's going to happen now. Day three of testing, that was the interesting day because um, everybody went down. Lewis Hamilton was up to something. I'm not quite sure, but they were looking at something with the car. They weren't racing it totally in anger, but a bit. Um, I'm not quite sure what they were doing. Was he hiding his light under a bushel? I have no idea. But Max Verstappen roared across the finish line on a 131.7. That's nearly two seconds faster than than day two. That was incredible speed, I have to admit. Nobody saw that one coming at all. He zipped across it. It was just absolutely amazing um, speed. Charles Leclerc was second, and he was nearly seven-tenths slower, which was saying something. But the, the one I was very impressed with was Fernando Alonso and the Alpine. I mean, you know, we're, we're all used to Alpine being at the middle to the back. Well, Fernando Alonso wasn't at the middle and the back. He was third fastest on the day. So it was fabulous to see. So does that lead us on maybe to what's going to happen next with the race? Because that's that, that's what everybody's asking, really, isn't it? <laughs> what's going to happen with the race? Well, before we hit the race, we were talking last week a little bit about the cars and um, I suppose there's a little bit more info out there now. Um, can you guess... Uh, what sort of um, parts and bits and pieces were kept from last year's car? Not much, because I think uh, from from what I saw, I remember we were saying on last week's show that uh, you you know the kind of the shape of the car in certain parts of the car had been. Um, had had changed, and we, you know that had to do with that. That would have made cause changes for the. I, I suppose for the for the suspension and and for the physics of the car on the track, but um, I suppose well I suppose it would have been a few changes, but uh, I leave that up to your good self. <laughs> well, you were absolutely hit the nail on the head because uh, you know there's always something kept, but this year no, absolutely perhaps nothing at all was kept from the cars of last year. I suppose the good idea is it's a clean sheet of paper, but you know. The, 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 at the same time, it does bring its difficulties for the less financed teams because they're trying to put together a whole new car 
without uh, using very little of last year's car, which is a bit difficult. But look, I suppose that's just the way it was. But the, the changes we saw, they were kind of immediately obvious, really. I mean, the long-standing 13-inch rims, they're going up to 18-inch with low-profile tyres, very low-profile tyres, which means they're going to stick to the track, hopefully, even more than usual. The wheel fairings have returned. That was an unusual one, accompanied by a, 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 a kind of a winglet above the the wheel. That little one we were talking about partially covering the wheel, um, almost like it wants to be a mud, a mini mud flap. Um, that was a, it's just a little interesting little tweak. It's obviously to send the air in certain ways, as they say, you know. Um, the barge boards and deflectors have been changed. The side pods have been changed. Uh, smoother lines of the cars. There's been so much has been absolutely incredible. It's, 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 I think, dramatically simpler than the cars before it to a certain extent, which is good. But, but what a kind of, what what a kind of lacks in one way a kind of in 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 kind of close up intimacy if you, if you could say it it makes up in size because the new cars are absolute monsters compared to last year but not everything again is visible um for the first time since ground effect was banned in 1983 uh, the teams are allowed to have a floor with a shaped underside again um, because of course that barge board is very important. Uh, it's separating the driver's bum from the road number one, <laughs> and you know it is there. But now they're allowed to play around with that again. Um, I suppose it is a kind of a ground effect, but that was one of the main reasons we were having the porpoising issues before. But that has been that has been seen, that has been fixed, and we're all off again at high standards now. The good news also this year is the F1 has also increased the safety standards, which I, I think, you know, it's like it's like everything. It's always good to push them forwards, make sure everybody's safe. And uh, the standards kind of came off the back of several investigations into a kind of a, a series of high energy crashes, you know. So any way they're making the car better, as far as I'm concerned, um, is always very good. But there's... Basically, this year, I suppose, with the, with the cars, the main two things are, I suppose, they're starting to fresh with a car of, of, of lower complexity. Uh, and that will reduce the performance gap, I suppose, to a certain extent between the front runners and the back markers, which is good because it means, you know, everyone will be a bit closer. Yeah, exactly. Everyone will be a bit closer. There'll be a bit more, you know, you won't have a guy who's like, 10 laps down okay that's a bit that's a bit of an exaggeration but you know what I mean he won't he won't feel like he's 10 laps back I'll put it like that to you and the other thing is like like you're in contention yeah exactly that's exactly it because you could imagine being in one of these races and you're so far back it's just you know you're scratching your head going where the heck is everyone else you know is this is this what I'm up against for the rest of the season as well like you know (laughs) yeah that's very true yeah um with, with the surface, actually, of the car and the aerodynamic bits, I mean, the, the, the front wing has massively changed. The rear wing has massively changed. But this is to give better control, shall I say, in dirty air or, I suppose, if, if you see a speedboat going through water, you see the wake behind it. If you're a boat that gets caught in the wake, you're bouncing about a bit. Well, this is exactly the same thing, really, because the dirty air is turned up, hitting your car, and you're kind of bouncing around a bit more. So... The idea is to kind of just say, you know, that we'll be able to run a bit closer, and it's hope that everyone will be able to ring uh, to 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 race a 
a lot a lot closer and be able to overtake you know uh, yeah. it is bringing performance really to everybody you know and it, it's it's undoubtedly going to be exciting to think of the fact you're going to have uh, closer racing everyone's going to going to enjoy that but it's not easy to orchestrate as to say there are inherent safety issues with cars looking so driving so close together i mean we only have to think back to david coulthard in the rain with michael schumacher right behind him and at, at the corner coulthard broke slightly earlier than usual which totally cut out schumacher and his boom his tire went off three three wheels down the road and um that was the famous incident where Michael Schumacher went to hit David Coulthard and uh, how shall I put it, mechanics were good at at, at keeping the two apart. <laughs> That's it. I suppose really you, you know the, the like we just said there earlier on about the you know the shape of the car, the physics of the car, the brain I suppose, you know, in, in all the um you know, in all the tracks that they'll be on for this season as well, braking is gonna be key as well. Braking at the right time I suppose the drivers would be have to be a bit more clever with the braking as well, not to brake at the at the wrong at the not only the right time but in the right area, you yeah. know, in the right you know at certain at the right stages of the of the um of of the track as well. And of course, I suppose really when you think of the new the new cars now as well and the new the shape and all the the changes that are made, these cars are more likely to suit some tracks other than others uh, rather than others. But I suppose looking at Bahrain now that they've tested them in Bahrain, but I suppose with the qualifications on Saturday you know that that's bound to have a huge difference in the qualification times, and uh, you know where where the I suppose where it can be where the race can be won and lost in the the last couple of laps, I suppose. Yeah, Bahrain's very interesting track. I have to admit, it's a bit of a mix. It was a good test bed because it's uh, it's a bit of a mix. It has very three very long straights, um, very very long straights, uh, good high speed straights. But then it kind of goes into a twisty turny section with a couple of very sharp corners. And a couple of long kind of, there's a beautiful S around turn 11 and 12 there. And, um, you know, uh, the drivers are, geez, you should nearly want to be in an inch of the racing line just to get off that at high power. And these guys will have the foot down through that, you know. So it was a great little test bed for that. Because the first thing that struck me when I was watching them is corner handling isn't exactly as good as last year. Now, when I say not exactly as good, we are splitting hairs a bit here. I mean, it is it is very slight. You know, it could be five hundredths of a second or something like that. But I suppose, look, if you're going to have a longer car, um, that's going to happen. You know, it's not yeah. going to be as manoeuvrable, you know. Uh, but going on to Bahrain, I suppose, um, you know, we're looking at what? Circuit length of 5.4 kilometers and a lap record of 131.4. I can't see that being beaten, although, in fairness... Um, or Max Verstappen did come very close to that on day three of testing, right on top of it. But you know, testing's one thing, um, qualifying is something else. The that's race the itself thing. is where, yeah. yeah, the race itself is where the lap record is taken, and that's going to be a little bit slower. Um, yeah. You know, so it's a good 57 lap race. So I think the biggest issue is going to be, is your car going to break down or not? That's a terrible thing to say, but reliability, brand new car, a bit more simplistic than last year's, but still, you know, there's always going to be 
a reliability question with the new. So to be honest with you, I think reliability is going to play a big, big, big factor uh, around here. You know, it is it, it is a fantastic circuit, I have to admit. And there's loads, there's decent amounts of overtaking in Bahrain. Uh, and of course, the drivers have to contend with wind and all that sort of crack and you have to have a setup. There's wide temperature fluctuations. It's absolutely, it's an all over the place track, really. You know, the track's most challenging point, I suppose, downhill off camber turn 10 into the left hand is, is, is very challenging, I have to admit. And there's a very fast run through turn 12. It's another highlight, really, for people, you know, and for the racers themselves. You know, it's just absolutely incredible. And when you see the cars charging into turn in and hammering it out, fast as they can through 9 and 10 in the short run down to 12, down to 11. It's it, it, it's incredible to see, I have to admit. It really is incredible to see these cars racing down that track. But I suppose the real question, question on everybody's lips should be, who's going to win? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. On the, on the day itself is the main. But, I mean, the, the qualifiers, uh, the qualification on Saturday is interesting, but even more interesting than that is the... You know the day itself, because you know I, I suppose like like I said earlier on, they each car each track that they're on throughout the season will produce will present its own its own challenges for different drivers and different cars. You know the way they're set up, so it makes for a very interesting season. But as you said, Buran is interesting. But I suppose across the season as well, there's different weather conditions. There's different conditions, like because you know on one track you might have it might be a rainy dead rain overnight or something or on the day or something depending on you know what what where where they are where they're racing, and then it could be like a real hot day as well. So that that can that that can be interesting between the between the you know in in the performance and and you know the tires at the tire selection as well given taking into account the car the the new car and the new parts to the car. Oh, absolutely! It, it, it's going to be quite critical. Um, I mean, everyone has their Achilles heels. Uh, you know, Europe is a place where most European tracks are very twisty turny. Uh, okay. Monza being an exception, that's got a few really great straights on it. That's a very fast track. But, um, you know, they tend to be older tracks and they tend to be twisty and turnier more than Bahrain. So it's going to be interesting when they start colliding with the old European tracks. It's going to be very interesting because it's going to change the car completely. Now, with twisty, turny European tracks, that tends to be Red Bull's domain. But, of course, this is a whole new car. So we're not quite completely sure what's going to happen here but it normally tends to be Red Bull domain whereas the longer straights, the faster try, the, well longer straights basically tends to lean towards Mercedes um, in that sort of guys and uh, to a lesser extent too although it could be to a bigger extent this year if they've got the car right, Ferrari like their European tracks, I mean sure that's, that's where they're based, you know, their yeah. turns suit them down to the ground, you know, absolutely with Ferraris. If they're, if they're going to take anybody at any stage, they're not going to be far off on that. They're great around corners, the Ferraris cars in general. And I mean, as well, temperatures, temperatures tends to be a Mercedes Achilles heel. Um, for some reason, the cars don't like it when the temperatures get up, whereas um, Max Verstappen seems to not be affected at all by it. I have no idea why. And uh, the tyres, of course, as well. Uh, again, if you're going to run a tyre for a long time, you're kind of playing into the hands of Max Verstappen again. But, of course, 
with the aero changes on the cars, yeah, it mightn't run as long as it used to. Um, they're going to have to figure that one out as they go. They do have data. I mean, they do know what's going on, but really until you turn that wheel in anger and you're wheel to wheel with people and, you know, because, you know, in testing, you can say, right, I'm going to do 10 laps fast. Right, I'm going to do 10 laps around certain corners. Right, I'm going to... Whereas in racing, you don't have a choice. If the guy in front of you is starting to run off on you, you have to catch him. Or if the guy behind yeah. is catching you like a ton of bricks, you have to move, you know, and then it could suddenly rain. You could get a crosswind. It, 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 it's totally different. Really, what are the odds this year, I suppose, is the interesting thing. And I mean, the, the time, I suppose, look, the time for talk is nearly over. Um, the race is going to be on this Sunday. And to say, uh, who's the favourite, I suppose, to win pole positions, podiums and points? You know, who's going to be fighting for that first place or anything like that? You know, who's going to be going? Well, if you look at the background, we say in the last five years, pole position in the Bahrain Grand Prix, uh, yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to win the race. Um, second and third have won the race before. So, you know, whoever gets pole, you know, don't be getting too excited or or or, uh, or, or too big for your riches, as I say, because, you know, it might not work out that way. Um, if you look at the last five years, I suppose uh, Max Verstappen was pole last year and didn't win. Um, there was Hamilton the year before. And then... 2019, 2018, two Ferraris, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel, and then Valtteri Bottas and the Mercedes. And that's putting the top three, the top three teams are right in there, Red Bull, Mercedes and Ferrari. And uh, I think that's the way it's really going to be, really, uh, in this race or in this season. I think that's what you're going to look at. You're going to look at those three teams the whole time on top of each other. Um Verstappen actually, I think, is gumming for this race because he's never won it. He should have won it last year. He really should have. But he didn't win it last year. Lewis Hamilton just created a fantastic... He just did a great job last year and took the race from him. I, just, first, I suppose. But I suppose too, with, with, with Lewis Hamilton as well, between the tre- testing for the three days last week mm. and the qualifi- qualification this weekend and the race itself, is there an element that maybe um, Lewis Hamilton is playing his, his cars close to his chest and not kind of revealing the full extent of what, what he has in mind and I mean mentally in his own head like his his own talent his own head for how he's going to how he's going to do the race they, they have an interesting situation in Mercedes at the minute just just looking at it over the last while there and watching testing over the weekend they're not slow let's face it I mean yeah. that's not going to happen they're going to be in the top three but a kind of for Mercedes it feels like um couldn't really call them outsiders, but they seem to yeah. have lost lost pace. They don't seem to have found much pace in the preseason testing. Now, it would be wrong to discount them by any means or anything like that. I mean, they were kind of slightly discounting Red Bull last year, and we know how that finished. Um, yeah. You know, so I mean, it, it, it is wrong to discount them as that, but they just seem to be just there seems to be a little bit less luster. There seems to be a little less spring to Lewis's step. The problem with Lewis is he's a magnificent driver, but if he gets bogged down, it gets into his head and he's he, he just doesn't perform as well. If he gets a sniff of the lead, that's great. But if, if Lewis suddenly found himself 
on lap four and lap five um, being fourth or fifth and not making any impact on the guy in front of him, he, he kind of loses concentration or something a little bit. I, it would be a very tough situation, no matter who you are. You know, if the guys in front of you are fast, as fast as you, it, it's a very tough situation. I'm sure it can be very demoralizing, you know. Now, if he yeah. gets a snip at the lead, he'll be, he'll be, he's like Max Verstappen. If he gets a snip at the lead, well, I suppose they're all the same, aren't they? They're like a dog with a bone. Um, they're going to want it, but they just seem to be just a tiny bit underwhelming this year. Perhaps the new car has got them out. Um, they did have an advantage with the old car, um, but be- perhaps it's kind of just lost them a little bit. You know, we'll have to figure it out, I suppose, um, with the race itself. There is uh, one thing, actually, I noticed, um, looking back at the at the, the Bahrain Grand Prix in general is um, normally it's good to have a bit of a, how will I put it, a bit of a strategy for a safety car because in the last yeah. 10 races there's been six safety cars, which is quite a lot. Um, an awful lot of, you know, not yellow flag safety cars out, um, which is interesting. So we'll have to see what happens there. The odds to win really tells you a lot at the moment. Um, Max Verstappen, seems to be the one who is top favourite to hit the ground running again this year. There really is. Um, the odds are three to one, actually, for Max at the minute to to win um, the Bahrain Grand Prix. Now, Lewis Hamilton isn't far behind. He's won as the 3.35. There's accuracy for you. Yeah. <laughs> so he's quite close. So they are expecting a tight fight, definitely. Now, there has been a massive change this year. Charles Leclerc's in third place at six to one. That's um, that's massive for Charles for Charles compared to last year and the year before. He was way down the running, and of course Carlos Sainz has done some magnificent work in the Ferrari as well. Over testing, he's in fourth place, so it's looking very good for Ferrari if if they're putting Max Verstappen in a Red Bull first, and then a Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton in second, and then the two Ferraris third and fourth. That's kind of spells constructors' championship almost to you, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I suppose looking, uh, taking it in isolation. I suppose looking at the Grand Prix this Sunday, just just, just as a prediction, uh, I think we'll do we'll do this for every race. Uh, have a stab at your uh, who you think will finish first, second, and third. Uh, Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, and Charles Leclerc. And if it's wrong, I didn't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Would there be any other kind of possibilities that you might be saying maybe for third? Because obviously, you know, the way those two races, those two drivers are, you know, Verstappen and and Lewis Hamilton, it's going to be first and second. It's going to be between them for first and second. But I suppose, um, you you know, it could be, are there any kind of. Shall, shall we say maybe different permutations for third? There may be any other pass apart from the clerk. Are there any other contenders for third place for sort of for um, that that you wouldn't be surprised uh, would finish third on Sunday? Well, really, you've got Sainz, Russell, Perez, and Norris. They're four very good drivers behind the guys there. And Carlos Sainz did top the speed there on the second day of testing in the second Ferrari. You've got a lot of good drivers there. And Lando Norris, I think that guy's amazing. I I really think he he is a fantastic driver, Lando Norris. And I I, I kind of hope he... um, he, he gets a bit more this year. I mean, he did very well last year, I have to be very impressive. Um, I'd like to see Lando coming up closer, but I think 
really, if it's a clean run, we're not talking about anything. We're not talking about safety cars or anything like that. I think if it's a clean run, I think you're going to very find it's very hard for um, anybody to beat Hamilton or Verstappen. Third place, I think Charles Leclerc has the bit between the two yeah. and he has the momentum at the moment. It's going to be a Ferrari. It could be Carlos Sainz. But I still reckon it's going to be Charles Leclerc. He's just... I can't put my finger on it. I was watching interviews with Charles and he just... He looks like he's got something. He looks, you know, he looks like a man that's sitting there going, I have something in my pocket now, and I'm not telling you what it is. <laughs> no problem. Listen, thanks, thanks very much for taking the time out to do uh, Formula One view with us again uh, ahead of the first race. I think that a hotly anticipated first race of the season. And we look forward, forward to next week. We look forward to looking back at that, uh, at the Bahrain Grand Prix and looking ahead to the next race. So the next race that we'd be looking ahead to. After the, after the Bahrain one is, yeah, <laughs> you've got oh, we'll re- on that one. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll look uh, we'll look into that. I, I was only I was only saying that for the crack. So we'll. I, uh... I know you were, but I was so focused on Bahrain and what was going on the cars, the drivers. I just yeah. saw the blanks. No problem. Listen, thanks very much for taking the time out to do that, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. No problems, take care, Ed. No problem, thanks very much. And that was Michael O'Grady, our Formula One expert. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Centre of the Stand podcast. I'm Heather, and we've got a very, very entertaining episode coming up with some thrilling games taking place over the past few days and over the past week or so. Hope everyone had a fabulous St. Patrick's Day and are enjoying the bank holiday so sit back relax and you're going to find out all about the sport in the rcc the first match i'm going to be bringing to you is the senior or the under 19 boys soccer team match versus claren college athenry it was a thriller 6-5 game very very entertaining a scoreline you're more likely to see on fifa than in real life um and it was a crazy game really so the game took place last Wednesday in the Roscommon Town pitch and it's safe to say the conditions certainly weren't favourable for either team and you know quick one-two touch football was non-existent you know the pitch was tough to play on it was mucky and you know a lot of players were kind of slipping and sliding around the place uh, so I mean maybe Jack Charlton would have liked it a bit of long ball uh, but overall, it was a very, very entertaining watch. And it's unfortunate that the RCC lads came out on the wrong side of the scoreline. Uh, even though uh, in the second half, they were on top. They were the better team. Um, and that may have been the introduction of Ryan Conlon, who was absolutely fantastic in the second half. And uh, the impact sub, as you might say. He went on, scored his hat-trick, a brilliant hat-trick of... All of them could be classed as wonder goals, you know, from various angles and from quite the way away, you know. One was just past the halfway line and it was incredible. And really, towards the end of the game, we kind of felt like the comeback was on. They were going to clinch this, even just get the one point and share the, spo- share the spoils. But fortunately, it wasn't to be. Uh, in the last minute, RCC won a corner and... You just kind of felt that they were going to score. You know, the keeper was up. Everyone was there waiting to try and get anything on it, try and get a head on it and knock it into the net. 
But unfortunately, the cross wasn't the best we've seen that day, and it was safely cleared. And to the dismay of all the RCC fans and the management and the players, the final whistle blew, and they really didn't get a chance to finish Claren College off and just get that goal that was in them. But it's really great that they were competitive, scored a lot of goals, and they tried their very, very best. And you could see that the skill level within the team was very, very high. You could see, you know, that there was a good understanding in the team. There was some really good kind of one-twos in the midfield, some really good interplay, uh, linking up kind of the striker and the striker involved in the game. You know, not like Romelu Lukaku's uh, seven-touch performance for Chelsea uh, about a month or so ago. You know, everyone was involved. Everyone's getting touches on the ball. And again, post-match, you know, the management... players and even myself you know I think that they have a good chance of going in and getting results in their next game they've been working hard and that performance they were unlucky not to share the spoils not to get a point from it and I think you know in the next few games they should be able to pick up results now they're kind of getting gelled they're getting used to each other and their playing styles and kind of the overlapping movements that they're kind of trying to do with the right back right winger and all in all, it's very, very entertaining football to watch. And I hope to go to more games. And, you know, just to wrap up the soccer report, it's absolutely fantastic to have soccer for the lads back for the first time since about 2014, I believe. And it's absolutely lovely to go and watch their games. And I hope that next year, or well, later on this year, we have a girl soccer team. You know, it's much needed. And I would absolutely love to play on it. But moving on, I'm going to bring you... The Ballygar Fun Run, um, a little, tell you a little bit about it. So we had the pleasure of being invited to attend this fun run from Ballygar School and it was in the Ballygar Forest and it was kind of a looped track, it was about 6.7 kilometres, which is quite a long distance and some members of the RCC team who were kind of competing in this completed the course in 31 minutes. Now I can barely run 5k in 31 minutes. So to cover a whole 1.7 extra kilometers, it's absolutely fantastic. What a brilliant, brilliant time. And so the people competing, there was mainly a first year class and then a few other students from transition year and third year. And everyone enjoyed themselves, had fun, enjoyed the journey to Ballygar and the beautiful sights in the forest. And obviously it was a fun run, it wasn't meant to be competitive, but everyone tried their best and wanted to get near that kind of podium finish. And, you know, we had some very, very strong finishers in the race and some people did really, really well and were happy with their times. And again, it's more practice for upcoming athletics competitions. You're very welcome to this week's Roscommon LGFA with myself, Aidan Rafferty. And as always, we have uh, Ollie Collins. From Roscommon LGFA. Hello, Ali. How are you? Are you well? Hi, Aidan. I'm good. I'm good. That's good. Great to have you on board again. And I suppose just to uh, kick off the um, kick off the podcast by saying that uh, you know Roscommon are looking forward to the the league semi final uh, this this Sunday, and it's going to be a tough one. And unfortunately, without the services of uh, Lisa O'Rourke, but um, I suppose look, it's still a, it's still a great achievement. Uh, you know, great, great to get to a semi-final this early in the in in the season in the season. Uh, 
you know, ahead of the Championship of League semi-final is no mean feat. And, uh, you know, this talented, this uh, bunch of players now, they're they're starting to gel, it, uh, gel together, like we said last week. But um, I suppose, who have you, who has... Um, Oli got in mind for uh, to to replace Lee uh, to replace Lisa for Sunday's game. Uh, well, look, sort of, he, this is this is why you try out and the different players and unfairness in the first three matches and a couple of challenges before they have been uh, utilizing the squad and using all members of the squad. So he'd be quite confident he can call and there's a couple of girls there come in and an Irwin came in there the last day, just super job and is a super player. He was a, had a, carrying a knock in the first couple of games, so she, I can imagine she will start. She started the last time, played well. Um, but Lisa is a big loss. I mean, she's she's young and she's yeah, but she has really um, come to the fore in the squad the last last season and this season especially. It's her strength, obviously, with her boxing career and her uh, durability, I suppose, and her fitness levels. She's able to carry herself through the game, so she will be a loss. But look, there's lots of girls there to uh, take up the mantle and. Um, Look, hopefully it's great, as you say, it's great to be in the semi-final and uh, looking forward to it. The weather's picking up, as we said, and, you know, it's a beautiful weekend province that's in Parnell Park, good pitch. Um, but look, to Kildare, a tough, very tough opposition. They're the favourites probably to win the league. But maybe the semi-final is the best time to get them. That's it, and uh, hopefully, you never know. Uh, you know, if they, if they get to the final, I suppose, look, it's the semi-final against a very tough team, Kildare. Um, but wouldn't it be great for them to get to get to the final? And even if they do, do they get promotion from from there, or do they still have? What's the story with regards to that? But I know. Look, we can't we can't look any further than uh, than this game. But uh, I suppose you know, even at that, just the, the semi final is a great achievement so early. But uh, I suppose uh, who who would be the main players that you be that Ollie would be looking to? Uh, to stand out this so this Sunday in such an important game, I suppose the likes of Jenny Higgins will be one of them. Will, will be one of the main players anyway. Yeah, well, the usual suspects, but thankfully, as I said, a lot of younger girls now are getting a bit of experience and moving up. So Jenny will be there. Laura Fleming, of course, is always miss miss dependable, and uh, she'll be there. Uh, but Ashley Hanley, of course, uh, burst onto the scene last season, and she's she's uh, continued that good form this year. So she she's a main threat up front as well. And then they also have the return. They have two very key players returning for Sunday, which is great. They've missed the whole league campaign of Sarah McVeigh and uh, Sinead, well, Sinead Kenny was back the last day, but she pulled up again, but she's back again. So they're they're big, they're in the defence. So, yeah, the squad is strong. Um, a lot of a lot of good young girls gone in there um, to to to, uh, to 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 step up to the mantle. And um, look, Ollie will be confident in his squad, and the girls are confident in themselves. They're going well, and look at it, it's a free shot at it. Um, yeah, if they win Sunday, they still have to try and win the final. Like, unfortunately, in ladies' football, it's not like the men's for two go up, which is a little unfair, really. In the ladies' game, it's only the one. So it's only the winner that goes up. But I'd be quite feel confident if they can get over Kildare that they'll be, they should be have a, a match for either Down or Wexford. But that's for another day. And look, that mightn't even be the case after after Sunday afternoon. But um, hopefully, look, they have a free shot at this. Give it their all. They're going in as underdogs. Great position to be in. And uh, I think there won't need to be a whole lot in it now. That's it, but I think you you know that they made it to knockout football. So, regardless of what happens on Sunday, it's great preparation ahead of the championship, isn't it? Absolutely. And look, at the aim of the game was to minimum was to get to a league semi final, and they've done yeah. that. And now it's it's even with the league semi final coming up, uh, it's amazing the way the mindset switches to to championship already. You know, so uh, that I think they have a break of about four weeks before the championship, but. That's 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 the, the aim of the game is the is the championship. But 
they'll be they'll be quietly confident on Sunday. And like like I said, and look, they'll be they'll be looking they'll be hopefully planning for a final next week. And looking looking at the Kildare team, like are there any kind of tactical? I know we kind of touched it briefly in last week's in last week's interview, but uh, I suppose this week, you know, tactically. Um, how will they be going about? Like, I mean, I suppose Sligo are, are the type of team. They're such a quality team. They have very little, they have very few kinks in their armor. But I suppose what what are their strengths and weaknesses that maybe uh, those common girls could could exploit uh, to help them win the game? Uh, well, Kildare's uh, biggest strength is their athleticism. They're a very fit young team. Uh, probably a little bit. I think we touched on this last week. Probably a little bit further down the. The uh, the um, the path down Roscommon are with, with with finding new players and that they're they're a couple of years ahead. So uh, um, very athletic, very they, they defend in numbers. That's their tactic, and then they attack in numbers. That's the way to go. They're probably their weakness, if it is a such thing, is probably the they, they do miss. They, they don't always take all their chances. So if Roscommon can, and all I know, all he likes to play with a sweeper. So if Ollie, if Roscommon can tighten up the defence and stop those counter attacks, I suppose is what you call them. Um, I think they'll have a great chance but uh, Akildare are fine side and look they've been knocking on the door they had a disappointing year last year um, they were expected to go better but they really seem to be get, getting things going this year So, and of course as we spoke briefly last week is a huge uh, antidote to the to the whole thing is the fact that Diana Hoare is, is, is on the coaching team at Kildare so, and we all know the way things end that should add a little bit extra to it on Sunday that's it. And I suppose really um look looking at the game, looking at the game as well, I suppose uh, you know that that's uh, a couple of key things that will be key for them as well is a the tra- I suppose the transition from defence to attack and uh, you know that that that'll be key to them as well. But also I think kickouts will play a big uh, a, a big part, you know, distribution from the kickouts. I suppose Kind of vary it for a lot between long and short ones, I suppose, depending on how things are going. Uh, vary it from wings, to, from each wing down to centre. That all all these kind of things will play play a huge part as well, especially in uh, in, in Parnell Park. You know, it's 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 a good pitch. Maybe not as wide as Crow Park or anything like that. Uh, so I think it's a it's a pitch that will probably suit for Scotland, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit tighter and. Uh... Probably a lot of Ross Commons experiences down the middle, and probably, yeah, the 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 Kildare would like a wide open, fast pitch. So, yeah, you touched on it there. It's key, but it's key. Probably it has been a weakness of of Ross Common in the league campaign is their is their kick out strategy. So I know they've been working on it, um, but uh, it certainly didn't go well the last day. So, uh, look, it's an important thing. It's it's a huge part of the game nowadays. There's very few teams nowadays going going the traditional route of long. Ross Common do sometimes, and it doesn't always work out. So. Even in the men's game, it's nearly all short kickouts now at this stage. So, yeah, they need to they need to tighten up on that. And and as you said too, uh, probably another little weakness that Roscommon has. They probably don't trans, transcend the, trans, the, the the defense into attack as quick as, as as the management would like. So, I know they've been working on that. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see. It could be a very low scoring game because they're both kind of defending numbers. And then, as you say, it's a quick. It's a matter of how quick you can trans, trans, uh, turn that around and into attack. So Kildare might fancy their chances better a little bit on that, but um, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. And of course, we we all know that the the fifteen the fifth certain fifteen is the main thing. But it's uh, I suppose in the modern game now, it's not all about the the certain fifteen. It's about the players no. that they 
that can be brought onto the pitch as well. And so sometimes, uh, I suppose, positional switches throughout the game can, can be key. But also, I think an important thing is about, you know, getting the timing of, uh, I suppose, positional substitutions, who you bring on. And I suppose as well, the timing of the substitutions can often be key in turning a game as well. So I suppose that, that'll, make, that, that'll be kind of interesting in, the, in this game against Kildare, won't it? It's a it's a crucial factor. It worked, and and all you have to do is look to the last game against uh, Sligo, where um, was common were struggling a little bit in the second half, and they looked to the bench and brought on a couple of players, and they they made a huge difference. So uh, yeah, it is it is it is it is a vital part of the modern game. It's uh, the old Jim Gavin philosophy with the Dubs when they were going well. He always said it's nearly as important to finish with your best teams and start with your best team. So. Yeah, the game is the modern game is about twenty players. It's not about fifteen. And as you says, but getting them moments, getting them correct, and getting getting impact from the bench is the word I was looking for. Uh, impact is huge from the bench, and uh, it'll be it'll be none more so on than on, on Sunday. That's it, and I think Ollie Colgan. I think he knows he's getting to like to know the team now, and I suppose. You know the players that he, he can spring off, be be it defensive players, depending on how the match goes, whether it's players that he has to bring on from def- for defend for defence or for attack, and uh, you you know he he knows who he can count on. But I, I look the, the the whole panel is is um, shaped together, and they're all very very talented players on the bench on the bench as well. So I think he, he's getting to the stage that you know whoever he brings on, he knows he, he knows can do the job for them. Exactly. Um, look, at they're all tuned and the, lad, the lads on the sideline will have the girls tuned on the bench as well and uh, everyone knows the part that they like. I mean, and they seem to be, this management team seems to kind of, if you're not kind of stuck in the one position, like Lauren Shanahan, for example, out command last who traditionally would be a forward, but ended up playing wing back and played very well. So, obviously, they're pretty comfortable. They're talented, as you said, they're very talented and they're comfortable playing no matter what position they're going and look at the, 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 the any of them girls that are called to a job will do, will do the job to the best of their ability. They're a good squad, good good girls and good good uh, good abilities. So yeah, I'd have no fear that way uh, with with the talent that's there. That's it. And looking looking on going on to the men's game as well, just kind of briefly. Um, Roscommon drew with Derry uh, with Derry in Doctor Hyde Park at the weekend. Possibly a game that they should have won. I know that they also drew with Clare earlier on. Again, we were also discussing. Um, you know, this is one of the, the, the big games that, that was one of the big games that first Common probably needed to win. But I suppose that makes the Offaly game that bit more important to win and ahead of the Galway game. But uh, you know, this is the business end of the league now and uh, you know, hopefully hopefully that um, the two draws won't damage the chances of getting uh, of getting promotion. But it's like like we've discussed in pre- in previous uh, interviews as well. Um you know the, the the important thing isn't isn't whether we get promotion or not. It's more it's more about uh, the performances and get the the lads getting get the players getting game time and the um I suppose looking at them they seem to be getting the blend right. They're all getting they're all getting um you know their their uh, the appearances up and they're getting some game time which which is key ahead of the championship. But uh, it's it's all about you know blood and players at at the moment and and 